we're also kicking off part one of a new series that we're beginning today called, What Time Is It? All right. And we're talking about the end times. We're talking about the end times. And I can already feel the tension in the room today. All right. Y'all are like, what's he going to talk about? What's he going to say? Is the end near? And so uh, here's what I want to tell you. We're, we're going to try to answer that question, what time is it? And today we're going to talk specifically about the fact that Jesus is coming again. All right. He's coming back. One day he's going to split the clouds and he's going to return. I'm going to tell you about that in just a second. But I need to let you know up front, I am not a scholar, okay? I, I'm not a theologian. I'm not an expert on this matter, but I did save a lot of money by switching to Geico. So, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, thought that was, I thought that was clever, right? Uh, no, really, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I, I, I have done some research on this matter. And uh, a book that I would recommend to you is a new book by Pastor Jimmy Evans called Tipping Point. And so if you want to read more about this, you can find it uh, online, you can find it anywhere books are sold, Tipping Point by Pastor Jimmy Evans. It's a great book, but I would also encourage you to just be careful what you see online and what you research, because there are certainly some theories and beliefs out there that will lead you down a road that you don't need to go on, all right? So what you want to do, what I want to do, is we want to stay biblical, don't we? We don't want to chase all these things that could be, might be. We want to stay true to what the Bible has to say. Amen? So uh, that's what we're going to try to do today. We're going to just try to answer the question, is it, what time is it? Is, is it the end? And so I want to, I want to uh, kick off with this. I don't want to assume that any one of you know what the end time is or what, what the return of Jesus is. I don't want to assume in any way that, that you're familiar with the second coming of Jesus. So I, I want to kind of introduce you to that thought real quick. And it's found all throughout Scripture, from the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament. It's, it's found all throughout Scripture. We're, we're going to talk about that today. But uh, I'm going to show you some Scriptures, some verses that clearly uh, refer to that. But uh, I, I want to start with this. Um, in in uh, our statement of faith, which you can find online, is uh, there's a statement there that is a doctrinal belief for us. Let me say it this way. It is what we believe. And, and that statement is, Jesus is coming again. We believe that. Let me say it this way. We believe in a real heaven and a real hell. We believe as a church, there's a real God and there's a real devil. We believe in real angels and we, we believe in real demons. We believe that Jesus is coming again and there will be an end time generation here on the earth when it happens. We believe that. Call us crazy, but it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible and we believe that 100%. So what I want to do is show you a passage of scripture that clearly talks about the return of Jesus. But first, I, I, I want to set you up on this, okay? I want to tell you who Jesus is. If you don't know, Jesus is the only son of God. The only, not one of many, only Son of God. He lived a blameless, perfect, spotless life for 33 years on the earth. He was crucified because the people, the religious people of his day, were, were angry at him because he said he was the Messiah. And so they crucified him, a, a criminal's death, and that paid for our sins. His death on the cross paid for our sins. So then they buried him in a borrowed tomb from a guy named Joseph of Arimathea. I think he probably figured out that he's not going to use it forever, so sure, you can borrow it, right? He realized, hey, they're not going to need it that long. Jesus stayed in the tomb dead for three days. And on the third day, he rose again. He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He rose again, and right now he's at the right hand of the Father. But what happened after he rose again was he went around the, the city of Jerusalem for 40 days appearing to different people. Over 500 people report that they saw Jesus Christ after he rose again. It's in your Bible. Over 500 people say they saw this man, Jesus, after he had risen again. And then he ascended to heaven in front of a large group of people. And that's where we pick up the story. All right. So in Acts, in your notes, if you've got your message notes with me, follow along there on the screen. In Acts 1 says, after he said this, after he said what? He had just given the people the, 
the great commission, the mandate from heaven to go into all the world, preach the gospel, right? He just gave them that. And he promised that the Holy Spirit we just sang about would be coming, okay? So after this, after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Verse, verse uh, 10, they were looking intently into the sky. They were looking up, well, where'd Jesus go? Where is he? And then suddenly, uh, two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now, don't you know if two men just showed up dressed in white, just, just like out of nowhere, showed up in here, you'd be like, bro, what's up? Where'd you come from? Not, not these people. They were so intently focused on Jesus that verse 11 says, the, men of, the, the angels said, men of Galilee... Hey, look, look, men of Galilee, why are you standing here? Why do you stand here looking into the sky? To which they replied, hey, I hate to be Captain Obvious here, but there's a man floating in the sky right now. That's why we're looking up, right? And so they said, why are you looking into the sky? And so this same Jesus, all right, this is the angels talking, this same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back. Everybody say, will come back. He's going to come back. How's he going to come back, Pastor Ben? The same way that he was taken. The same way that you saw him going to heaven, he's going to come back to earth in that same way. All right? Hey, and then he, and then, but before we get to that, before we get to that, I remember growing up and being terrified of the second coming of Jesus. I was so scared that, that I was going to be caught doing something wrong and Jesus is going to come back and I'm going to be left behind. Anybody with me? If you grew up in church, man, there was a fear, a healthy fear like that Jesus is coming and I don't want to get left, right? I, I remember um, uh, the, the, the words of the great theologian, Joe Dirt, when he said, is, is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? All right? Those words replay through my mind. Is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? I mean, I was so... In, in my Sunday school class, we had, um, uh, we had rapture practice. The Sunday school teacher would just, every once in a while, just say, rapture's real, and everybody would go, woo like that. And I'm like, what's going on, right? Uh, it was... It was it, it, I had questions. Like, Jesus is going to come back. I remember. Y'all remember Y2K? Anybody remember Y2K? The world is going to come to an end. Jesus is coming back. The calendars shut down. Technology as we know it cannot go any further. Things will fall apart. It's going to be terrible. There's going to be pandemonium on the earth. And Jesus is coming back. So on December the 31st, 1999, we were partying like it's 1999, right? 1999, we were, we were huddled in church having a prayer meeting because where else do you want to be when Jesus comes back? Then in church, we were in church praying, the clock strikes midnight, nothing happened. We were still here, like what happened? I thought Jesus was coming back, we left, we drove our cars that still worked. We thought they weren't going to work because they told us they might not work because the electronics, like everything was going to fail, right? I, it was a scary season as a, as a high schooler. I didn't know Jesus might be coming back. And then DC Talk, y'all. DC Talk wrote a song, they released a song called... Left behind. It went something like this. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. And it's like, oh my goodness. Jesus is coming back. Like, and it was, you listen, go YouTube the song and you'll be, you just get chills thinking about it. It was a scary time growing up. I, I just, I, I was terrified of the end times. And then in high school, I went to a, a messianic um, uh, service with some friends one time. Uh, uh, we went to this messianic uh, synagogue. So it's a messianic Jew is a, a Jewish person who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And there was a, a, an evangelist there at this service and he was predicting that Jesus was going to come back in, in September of 2001. This is like 2001. I'm getting ready to graduate high school. I'm like, Jesus, you can't come back. You, you can't come back. I haven't, I haven't graduated high school yet. I haven't gotten married. I don't have kids. I hadn't started a career. Jesus, you cannot come back, right? I was scared. I was scared. Jesus is going to come back, and I don't, get to have, I don't get to enjoy life. Well, Jesus didn't come back, did he? 
But I remember on the way home that night, I remembered this scripture in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus said, about that day, he's talking about the end time, he's talking about the second coming, about that day, nobody knows. And I found comfort remembering that nobody knows when Jesus comes back. Hey, nobody knows when Jesus is coming back. Not nobody knows. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven know. Jesus said, guys, I don't even know when I'm supposed to come back. He says, only the Father knows. So, so can I just tell you today, if, if you've read a book, if you've been watching some things online about when Jesus is coming back, if, 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 you've been, if you have bought into something from Christian television when they say Jesus is going to come back on this date and this time, can I just go ahead and give you a spoiler alert? It ain't happening because they don't know. Well, Pastor Ben, they, 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 they proved it. No, 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 they didn't because they don't know. Can I get a witness today? You need to ask for your money back, all right? Get your money back on that book because they don't know when Jesus is coming back. Jesus doesn't know. Now, I think he's ready. I think Jesus is ready. I think he's got one, one foot in his white stallion, and he's ready to mount up. Regulators! He's ready. Those of you who remember Wu-Tang Clan, y'all, y'all know that one. He's ready to come back. He's ready. I believe he's ready for it. So <laughs> I, I knew that would get some of you. So here's the deal. Nobody knows when he's coming back. Nobody knows the day or the time. But listen to me. We do know the times and the seasons. We do know the signs and the seasons. Can I say it that way? We don't know the day and time, but we know the sign and the seasons. We know that. Jesus actually had a lot to say about signs and seasons. You can read about it all throughout the scripture. But in Luke chapter 21, we're going to cover a couple different sections of this. But there are several places in Luke. Jesus is talking about the end times. And he says, hey, watch out that you do not, that you're not deceived. What he's saying is in the end times, in the last days, there's going to be some false prophets, some false teachers who come along and they're going to try to convince you that, that they know what they're saying. They're going to say to you, I'm the Messiah or the time is near or look at this guy over here. He's the real one. He says, don't follow them. Don't, don't go after them. Verse nine, when you hear of wars and uprisings, have you heard of that? Have you heard of any wars or uprisings lately? He says, don't be frightened about it though, because these things have to happen. They must happen first but the end will not come right away. Okay, it's going to happen, but the end is not going to come right away. Verse 10, then he said to them, nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom, we're seeing that all across the world. He says, there, there will be great earthquakes and famines and, and look at this, pestilences. Do you know what a pestilence is? It is what we're in right now, a worldwide pandemic. A pestilence is a virus or a disease that spreads like wildfire. The Bible predicted it, and Jesus predicted it. There's going to be pestilences. There's going to be, there's going to be some, some things happening in the last days. And, and fearful events, great signs from heaven. There's going to be some things happening in the, in the stars, and, and, and we just need to be looking out. And it keeps going. It says there's, there's going to be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars. You may have heard about some, um, some eclipses some, uh, over the last few years. Those happened on holy days, Jewish holidays. And so uh, there, there's blood moons, things like that that we've seen in the heavens over the last several years. And on the earth, nations will be in anguish. They'll be perplexed at the roaring and tossing of the sea. Some people translate this to believe that, 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 that he's talking about uh, tsunamis, which we have certainly seen, but some people translate this to, to mean that he's giving a figure of speech that people, their emotions seem like they're tossed by the, as a raging, roaring sea. And it goes on in verse 26. It says that people will faint from terror. They're going to be so afraid in the last days, apprehensive of what's coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And honestly, I don't even know what all that means, but Jesus said it. So we're, we're looking, we're, we're on the watch for this. Verse 20, 28, 27 rather. At that time, 
they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And I love this next verse, verse, verse 28. When these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your heads. Why lift up our heads, Pastor Ben? Because he's going to come back the same way he left. And he, he ascended. So we need to look up because our redemption is drawing near. Come on, somebody. That's good news right there. Let's give God thanks that it is... It's going to happen. So we could be the end time generation. We could be the generation that sees the return of Christ. We could be. And, and um, I can sense a little nerves in the room right now. Like, oh, snap. I didn't know this was in the Bible, bro. What is he talking about? I, I, I got you. Listen to me. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ... If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're in a relationship with Him, there is no reason for you to be afraid. There's no reason to be fearful because God's got this. When Jesus comes back and He splits the eastern sky and He raptures us, that's what the, we believe in what's called the rapture. He's going to come back and take all those who believe in Him and those who have died before us who believed in Him, and, and He's going to rapture us. And then there's going to be a great tribulation. But here's the good news. We ain't figuring to be here for that. We're not going to be here for the great tribulation. I know some people think we are. Some people think we're not. Some people are pre-tribulation. Some people are post-tribulation. I, however, am pan-tribulation. It's all going to pan out. I don't know how, but it's going to pan out. Jesus has got this. He's in control. It's going to pan out. I'm, I'm a believer in that, right? So... Jesus is coming back. Now, you look a little nervous, so I'm going to give you a joke because it ain't funny after this, all right? I grew up in East Tennessee, and there was a couple pastors that pastored churches across from one another. One of them was a Baptist pastor, and he was out in his churchyard one day. He's putting a sign in the yard, and it says, the end is near, and he's just hammering this sign in the churchyard. Well, the Methodist pastor across the street was putting a sign out that said, turn or burn. And about that time, this, this car full of young people rolled by, and one of them stuck their head out the window and said, leave us alone, you bunch of religious freaks, right? And they just kind of sped off, and a few seconds later, they hear the tire screech and a crash. And one pastor looked at the other and said, maybe our signs should have read, the bridge is out. <laughs> maybe we should have been a little more clear, right? You might get that later. I, th I thought it was funny. Here's the deal. Jesus has given us some very clear road signs. He's given us some very clear signs all throughout the scripture. And we're going to look at what the scripture has to say about this. So the question is, Pastor Ben, are we living in the last days? Is this it? Are we living in the last days? And some of you are thinking, well, every generation thought they were in the last days. I mean, some of you, you've been a Christian for decades, and you've been hearing and believing for decades Jesus is coming back. Every, every one of us, if we've been Christians for a long time, we thought we were going to be the generation that saw the return of Jesus. But can I tell you, that's actually a healthy way to live. It's a healthy way to live, because I think we ought to plan like he's not coming back for 100 years, but we ought to live like he's coming back any minute. Yeah, we, we ought to go to school. We, we ought to build our, uh, the house that we want. We ought to save. We ought to retire. We ought to do all of those things. We ought to get married and start a family. But at the same time, we better live our lives like he could come back any minute. That's the way we ought to live. So there are some things about our generation right now that's different than every other generation. There are some things happening in, in these times that have not happened in generations in the past. And we just saw some scripture where Jesus gave some signs about the heavenlies, earthquakes, wars, rumors of wars, pestilences, all of those things. I want to give you three, three signs that are in your Bible that you may not really think about, okay? And, and the first one is this. It's a sign of worldwide satellite technology. Well, Pastor Ben, are you trying to tell me that satellite technology is in the Bible? Uh, yes and no, Okay. Follow with me for, for just a second. Revelation, if you're, if you're a note taker, jot down Revelation 11. So Jesus comes back. He raptures the church. He takes with him everyone who's a believer. That's what, that's what the Bible says. 
And those who are left behind go through a great tribulation. It's a period of, of wrath. It's a period of, of very difficult times. Hence the name tribulation. In the great tribulation, these two men rise up and, be, and, and become witnesses. Uh, the, many people believe it's Moses and Elijah, but some people believe it's Elijah and Enoch because they're the only two people from the Old Testament who never died. You can go read that for yourself. The Bible says they were raptured. They were suddenly taken away. They were here one minute and gone the next. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't matter who those two men are. They're going to be witnesses in the end times. And here's the deal. The Bible says that the Antichrist and the beast kill these men and their bodies will lie in the streets for three and a half days. People will, from all over the world, will see it and watch it and they will, send, they will celebrate it and send gifts to one another. You know you're not loved very much if people send gifts to each other when you die. That's going to happen in the end times. But listen, the only way it could happen today is this. The Bible says in Revelation 11 that people from all over the world will see it. Well, how could that happen, Pastor Ben? Because we have these. Because we have computers. Because we have internet. We are interconnected all around the world. And people from every continent and every nation could gather around a device and see in real time what's going on. Are you with me? That's freaky, bro. All right. Uh, it's, it's in the Bible. It doesn't say satellite technology, but it does say that that's going to happen. People from all of the world are going to watch it. They're going to see it. All right. The second thing is this. Worldwide financial technology. Worldwide financial technology. Are you saying that this is in the Bible too? Well, a few chapters later in Revelation 13, the Bible uh, says that the Antichrist will, he, he will put together a one-world currency. Have you heard any talk about that lately? A one-world currency. And, and so we are a generation, we are living in a time when this is possible. The Bible says that he's going to put together this one-world currency and you will not be able to buy, sell, trade. You won't be able to do jack squat, right? Unless you take a certain mark. Are, are you hearing me? It's the mark of the beast. Um, so we're living in a season, we're living in a time when that is absolutely possible. How's it possible? In 2004, the FDA approved Verichip, microchip technology. In 2017, the New York Times reported this, that a company in Wisconsin is now giving their employees the option to have a microchip implanted between their right thumb and their index, their index finger. Uh, so we're living in a season when it can happen, y'all. Are you hearing me? That you, can, you can take that, that you can, you can, all you have to do is just walk near the vending machine and get your snack or clock in or uh, log on to a computer or purchase things on the company's behalf. You, you see what I'm saying? So we're living in that season. And I know y'all are looking at me like, this is crazy. You're crazy. But the third one ought to excite you like nobody's business. And that is worldwide evangelism. Come on, y'all. We're living in a season right now when worldwide evangelism is, is going through the roof. How, Pastor? Well, even in the middle of a pandemic, more people than ever before have been able to hear the gospel because every church in America was streaming their services. Woo, come on. People all over the world, are, are, they're, they're having to pivot and they're having to shift the way they do things and they're hearing the gospel for the first time, perhaps, and this is unique to our generation. This, this um, worldwide evangelism is, is unique because we're able to take it to the world like never before. Now, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14, it says that, that the gospel will be preached in all nations. Now, when Jesus says all nations, he's not talking about literal boundary lines. He's not talking about Canada and United States and then and Mexico, and then, and then Uzbekistan, and all the all Pakistan, and Iran. He's not talking about that. He's talking about people groups. There are 193 nations around the world. There are, listen to me on this, 17,000 people groups. Okay? There are 17,000 people groups on planet Earth. 10,000 of those people groups have a clear gospel presentation. 
They have a a, a missionary, a Bible in their language. They have a church. They have a a local pastor who can preach the gospel. There are still 7,000 unreached people groups in the world who don't have a pastor. They don't have a church. They don't have a missionary. They don't have a clear gospel presentation. And we are going to do something about that, y'all. Come on. How are we going to do something about that, pastor? Listen to me. This, this is, I, I love this church. From the beginning, we've been focused on missions. We've already been supporting missions in communist Cuba and in Uganda, and we're strategizing right now on how we're going to begin to make a difference in the 1040 window. 1040 window is, is a part of the world that is less than 2% Christian. We're going to begin to make a difference there. I'll give you some more information on that in our legacy series coming up, legacy offering and whatnot. But listen to me. We're making a difference. We're adding Pakistan to our list of regular support so that we can see the kingdom of God go to the Middle East, to the 1040 window, and see lives change. Come on, somebody. So check, check this out. Uh, in 1970, there were 1.2 billion Christians worldwide. 1.2 billion Christians. In 2017, they estimated that it, it was 2.6 billion Christians worldwide. Do you see how there's worldwide evangelism taking place? That in 40 years, it's doubled. In 40 years, there's more than double the amount of Christians on the planet. The, the Christianity, the gospel of Jesus Christ is growing at rapid rates around the world. You may hear that it's decreasing. You may hear that it's, it's being shut down. But what you don't hear is it's really growing at rapid rates around the world. But the United States of America is number 30 on the list of the slowest growing Christian nations in the world. We're growing at a rate of 0.8% Christianity in America. That's why we got to plant churches, y'all. That's why we planted this church here in Wichita Falls was to make a difference, to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference in their lives. We've got to plant churches. We've got to plunder hell and populate heaven. We've got to do it. We've got to do it. And, and, and here's the thing. This is what I love about this church. Since we started this church, January 27, 2019, We've been able to give more than $41,000 to help start brand new churches and resource local churches in America. Come on, let's give God thanks for that. We're making a difference. We're helping start churches. And if you've always dreamed of being a part of a church that makes a difference, that's not just focused on what's in front of us and what's here and now, maybe you found it. Maybe you found it. I, I love this church. I love that we get to do what we do. So why am I telling you all this? Why am I telling you about worldwide technology and financial technology and the fact that there's there's an evangelism explosion going on right now? It's not to scare you. It's not to make you nervous or fearful. It's to excite you, that you ought to be excited about the return of Jesus Christ. In, In fact, his return should do three things for us. Number one, his return, if you're taking notes, jot this down, his return should comfort us. Jesus is coming back. His return should comfort us. And I know that this morning I'm talking to some people who, man, you're saying to yourself right now, Pastor Ben, this is like like earth stinks, Ben. You've lost some people this year. Maybe you've lost a a loved one, a, a, a parent or a spouse or a sibling or a child, and you're hurting I know some people have had miscarriages and you're hurting. Can I, can I just tell you, Jesus' return comforts us. Listen, listen to me. The greatest miracle on earth isn't that it works out on earth. The greatest miracle, on, the greatest miracle is that some glad morning when this life is over, man, I'm going to wake up in eternity. I'm going to wake up in paradise. I'm going to see my Savior, Jesus Christ, with my own eyes. I'm going to be reunited with everybody that I've, that's gone on before me. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have that. I'm going to see that. That's the greatest miracle. That's the greatest miracle. And... We cannot get fixated on earth. Hey, we've got some great things right here in Texoma, right here in Wichita Falls, to which you say, like what? 
We got great things here in Wichita Falls. This is a beautiful place. This is, we've got some incredible opportunities right here in front of us. Listen to me. Heaven's better. Jesus coming back is better. It's better than that college visit. It's better than, than that new career. It's better than the new home. It's better than the custom car. It's better than all of that stuff. Come on. It's better. Check out what Paul had to say. We can't get focused here now. Check out Paul's thoughts on the end times. First Thessalonians. If you're reading along with us in the one-year Bible, which if you're not, I really encourage you to do. You can, you can start that even now. Download the YouVersion app, and uh, there's a one-year Bible there. You read it, uh, chrono- not chronologically. There's one that's chronological. But the, the one we read, um, if you tell you what, if you message me, I'll send it to you. I'll send the link so that you m- make sure you get on the right one. But 1 Thessalonians, we just read this a couple weeks ago. Verse 15 through 18 says, according to the Lord's word. Now, who's the Lord? Jesus. Okay, Jesus talked about the end times. Remember, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. He talks about the end times. And so Paul's saying, according to what Jesus said, according to his word, we tell you that we who are still alive, we who are left until the, there's the, there it is, coming of the Lord, when he returns, we're here. we will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep, who have died, who have gone on before us. We're not going to be raptured before they are, in other words, okay? Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven in the same way that he went up, right? With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with with the trumpet call of God, and the Baptist will be on the first load out. So, oh, I'm sorry. The dead in Christ will rise. Y'all know I love Baptist people. I'm a Baptocostal, y'all. I just... <laughs> it's a little fun. Just a little fun. We need to laugh. We need to laugh. You could say that about all of us, right? Uh, so it says the dead in Christ, those who knew Jesus and went on, to be with the Lord, they, they died, they go first. Verse 17, and after that, we who are still alive and we're left, we're going to be caught. Everybody say caught. Okay, the word rapture does not appear in Scripture, just, just to let you know. If, you're gonna, if you go home and look for the word rapture in the Bible, it's not there. That's, that's the best word we can use to describe it, but the word, the, the Greek word for caught is Harpazo. And it literally means to be suddenly snatched away. Like you walking down the street, ladies, with your purse, somebody comes, a thief comes, steals it, it was there, now it's gone. That's that's it. it was like here and now it's gone. Where do we get rapture from then? The rapture is from the Latin word rapturo, okay? So that's where we get the word rapture from. And it means to be caught up, suddenly taken away. So we who are still alive and are left will be suddenly taken away up together with them, those who went on before us, the dead in Christ, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. Come on, y'all. We're going to be with the Lord forever. Verse 18, therefore, because of this, because of this good news that we're going to be with the Lord forever, encourage one another. Lift people up when they're going through a hard time, when they've experienced a loss or a hurt or a pain or a difficulty. Remind them that heaven is coming, that I know you've got some things that you're going through here on earth, but heaven is better than Wichita Falls. Come on, somebody. Let's give God praise for that today. It's better. So his return comforts us. And can I tell you, hey, I've got people I want to see. My... My dad died when I was seven. My mom died when I was 23. My grandparents are all gone. I've got aunts and uncles. I've got one on each side now that are still alive. I've got a lot of people that I want to see. My pastor growing up in my church in Tennessee, a lot of people I want to see, but I got to remind myself, heaven's better. Heaven's coming. I can't get caught up on earth. Come on, somebody. I got to to look to heaven. I got to look. Jesus is coming. So it comforts us. Number two, it prepares us. His return prepares us. Now, Jesus never meant for you to be in the dark about his second coming. He never wanted you to, to like, 
not know. The Bible from Old Testament to New Testament predicts end times, second coming, all, all kinds of stuff. From the book of Daniel to Isaiah and Jeremiah and, and Zephaniah and Obadiah, all, all of those guys, they predict so much about end times. So it's there. But in the New Testament alone, this is so cool. Dr. David Jeremiah gives us this snapshot of what, of, of the references, the amount of references in the New Testament concerning end time, second coming. 23 out of 27 books talk about the second coming or the end times. Seven out of every 10 chapters in the New Testament talk about the second coming or the end times. One out of every 30 verses mention the end times or the second coming. Jesus never meant for you to be in the dark. It's in the Bible. He's given us roadmaps. He's given us signs. It is there. So listen, you shouldn't be worried. You shouldn't be concerned. You shouldn't be fearful. You ought to be emboldened, strengthened, empowered to know that Jesus is coming and I'm going to be ready. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching better than y'all. Amen. I'll just tell you. Tell you. All right. Okay. So, so Paul keeps going here. In 1 Thessalonians, now chapter 5, he says, brothers and sisters, who's he talking to? You. You're Christians. Could be translated now, Christians. I'm, I'm talking to brothers and sisters today. About times and dates, we don't need to write to you. Well, why, Paul? Well, because remember, I'm, he's writing this concerning what the Lord said. And what Jesus said was, nobody knows. Times and dates. So he says, I'm not going to write to you about times and dates because nobody knows. We don't need to write to you about that. For, for you know very well that at the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's going to come when you least expect it. And he keeps going in verse, verse 3. He says, while people are saying peace and safety. Can, can I translate that for you? While things are going well. Life is good on earth, y'all. Like when the economy is good, when things are good, when it's business as usual, people are saying peace and safety. Life is good. Man, things are going great. That's when destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. <laughs> and they will not escape. It's going to come so quickly that the people who don't know Jesus won't have time Put their faith in him. It's going to happen so quickly. That's why we've got to make a difference. That's why we have to tell people about Jesus. That's why we have to tell people that God is good and he has a plan for their life and he wants to do something inside of them that we've got to be witnesses. Amen? It says it's going to come on, on them like labor pains on a pregnant lady. Now, when, when Annalise was pregnant with our first son, Garrett, we were living in a parsonage. And... Uh, and uh, the parsonage is a house owned by the church. And so we were living there as youth pastors and worship leaders. And, and so, uh, you know, she's, she's nearing the end of her pregnancy. And she sits down crisscross applesauce in the middle of the living room floor. And her water breaks. And she says, I, I think my water just broke. And I said, are you sure you didn't pee on yourself? I said that, y'all. That's not a good thing to say, by the way. Don't, don't do that. And she's like, no, dummy, I know. My water just broke, and contractions started happening. And, and it was just like suddenly, we, and I started rushing around like, I, I, I got to get the bag. We got to get out of the house. We, we got a 25-minute drive to the, to, to the hospital. We got to go, right? It was suddenly. It happened suddenly. That's the way it's going to be when Jesus comes back. It's going to be life is good. Things are great. Boom. Suddenly. Now, can I just tell you that this is why, like, the way you live is important. Well, oh man, the way we live, guys, it's so important. The way you live matters because he's going to come back like that when you don't expect it. And every once in a while, we need a wake-up call. Every once in a while, we need somebody to go, hey, hey, there's a better way. Man, you... There's something, there's a way that you can change your life. There's some things that you can do that you don't have to keep going down that path anymore. Are you with me today? 
I remember being a youth pastor in Alabama, and we did some nursing home ministry one time with, with our youth group, and we're walking down the halls, and there was an older man in his, in his room, and I thought he was just talking out of his head. I thought he was senile until he said, life is a dressing room for eternity. Hit me like a ton of bricks, because that's exactly what life is. That one day, Jesus is coming back, and we need to be prepared for that day. The way we live matters. Let that sink in. Selah. Let it sink in. And, and, and I think one of the best ways that you, can, that, that you can get on the right track, like, like if the way you live, live matters, what, what can you do? And I would say this. I would say that's why small groups are so important to you, to me. We've got to be in a group. We've got to be around some people where we can take off the mask, where we can say, I don't have it together, where we can say, I need somebody to pray for me. I'm struggling. I'm going through some things. I need somebody to hold me up in prayer, to hold me accountable. I need this in my life. The way we live matters. We need some people in our lives to help us along the way. Amen? All right, number three, the third thing that the, the return of Jesus does is that it focuses us. The return of Jesus focuses us. We're focused. Man, we're honed in. We're zoned in. We're focused. Now, still in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul says, you are children of light not, and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Peter said it this way, that you've been called out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So you, you're not called to, 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 to take on the, the deeds of darkness, the things of this world. You're called to live in the light. Come on, somebody. So he says, we don't belong to the night or to the darkness. Verse 6, he says, so then let us not be like others who are asleep. Let's not be like the ones who are just living their life carelessly, doing things carelessly, living carelessly, acting carelessly, walking away from God. But let's be awake. Let's be sober. Let's be focused. Let our eyes be focused on the prize, Christ Jesus. Amen? Come on, let our eyes be focused. So, pastor, are we living in the last days? Are we living in the last days? You're living in yours. I'm living in mine. <laughs> Can I ask you if, if when I say, when, when, when I ask you, are we living in the last days? If I said yes, would it change the way you live? Would it, would it change the way you live if I said yes? And if you say yes, then I say yes. <laughs> we're in the last days. Like we're there. I don't know. When's he coming back? I don't know. Could be any minute, though. It could be any moment, and we've got to live with that reality that Jesus is coming back. So let's be sober. Let's not get caught up in the things around us. Let's let our eyes be focused ahead of us. Let's keep our eyes focused on things that are above, not on things that are temporary, but things that are eternal. Amen? Come on. Let's be focused. So Jesus, in Matthew 24... He says, when the Son of Man returns, it'll be like it was in Noah's day. What, what was it like then? He tells us in verse 38 that in those days before the flood, people were enjoying banquets. Man, they were, they were shopping, shopping at Market Street. They, they were getting ready for the wedding. They were, life was good. They had, they had a working nine to five. I mean, it was just great. They, they were getting ready to retire. So much was good. They were enjoying parties and banquets and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And verse 39 says that they didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them away. Can I paraphrase it? They didn't realize they were going to get swept away until they got swept away. They, they didn't know. Noah tried to warn them. They, they didn't understand. That is the way it's going to be when the Son of Man comes. 
He goes on and he says, there's, there's going to be, in, in verse 40, two men will be working. One will be suddenly snatched away, raptured, gone. The other one left. And if you think about all those times at the water cooler that you could have shared your faith, but you didn't. You could have told them what God had done in your life, but you didn't. You're gone, they're left. Two women will be grinding meal. One taken, suddenly taken away, raptured, gone. The other one left behind. And, and Jesus says it this way. He says, so you two, listen to me. He's not talking about the band, you two. He says, you two, you must keep watch. You must keep watch. Why? Because you don't know when he's coming. You don't know the day that he's coming. Are you with me today? Hey, I know this is heavy. I know I'm, hey, I, I know it is. But he keeps going and he, and he says in verse 40, 43, understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would be keeping watch on the front porch in the rocking chair with Mr. Browning. Come on, somebody. He'd try to scare away the burglar. He'd try to scare him away. Not permit his house to be broken into. In verse 44, you also. Hey, you've got to be ready. Be focused. Be vigilant. Let your eyes be on the prize. Let your eyes be on heaven at all time. For the Son of Man will come when nobody expects it. When least expected. So that's why we're doing this series. That's why we're doing this, because I want to be ready. I want to be ready for his return. I want, to be, I want you to be ready. So what do I do? You've, you've kind of got me shook up, Pastor. You're talking about the end times. Things are, this is real. Like, what do I do? <laughs> and the way I learn is really through simplicity. I need, I need it to be broken down really simple for me. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not way up here. I need, I need to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Come on. What do I do, Pastor? Well, I think for some of you, maybe there's some things you need to stop doing. There's, there's a life you've been living that you, you, need, to, you need to repent from that. You need to turn from that lifestyle. Repent's not a bad word. It just means you're going to turn from the way you were doing it. And you're going to go a different way. You're going to do it God's way. You need to repent. Maybe you need to s stop some things. Maybe there's some sin issues. Or, or maybe there's some, some addictions. Some hurts or habits or hang-ups that are affecting your life. And, and maybe, maybe it won't keep you out of heaven. Maybe it won't send you to hell, but it'll make your life here on earth a living hell. Are y'all with me today? It, maybe there's some things you need to start doing. Like there's some things, maybe you need to grow in your faith. Maybe you've said yes to Jesus, but you're just kind of like, ah, yeah, I'm good. Life's good. Like, like it was in the days of Noah. Life's good. Come on. Take a step. Grow in your faith. Draw closer to Him. Start a prayer life. Begin reading the one-year Bible. Get in a small group. Go through the growth track. Start living generously. Do something. Start doing some things. Maybe you need to stop some things, or maybe you need to start some things. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit help you decide which. All right? Will you bow your heads with me today? And just ask yourself this question. What's the Holy Spirit saying to me right now? What's He saying to me? What's he whispering to my heart? What's he speaking to my life? What's he speaking to me? And as you think about that, as you contemplate that, I want to lead you in a prayer today. Father, I thank you that, Lord, we don't have to be afraid of your return. It's a good and glorious thing that you are coming again. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be confused about it. Your word tells us plainly what to expect. So we thank you that you are coming again. We thank you that you're coming back, but you've given us some things to do in the meantime. You've given us some, some ways to live. You've given us some things to consider and some things to implement in our lives. You've given us a path forward. And so, Lord, we just thank you that you 
still speak. You still lead, you still guide, you still direct, you still empower. And so, Lord, we thank you that your, your return comforts us. We thank you that heaven is better than now. Heaven is better than here. Heaven is better than Wichita Falls. That It is better, and some glad morning we're going to see you face to face. God, we thank you that your return, Jesus' return, prepares us, calls us to action, reminds us that the way we live matters. It makes a difference. The way we live, it matters. Life is a dressing room for eternity. God, remind us, call us to higher heights, call us to deeper depths to know you, to have relationship with you. But Lord, your, your return focuses us, God. There's people in our lives that don't know you. There's people in our lives that need relationship with you. God, let us stay focused. Let us keep watch. Let us make a difference. With your heads still bowed, if you're here today um, and you don't know Christ, this is as good a time as any. In fact, let me ask it this way. If Jesus came back now, would you be taken or would you be left? And if you're unsure, or maybe you say, Pastor, I'd be left. I want to help you know today that beyond the shadow of a doubt, you go to heaven. You'd be raptured with Jesus. And so if you're here today, maybe you're far from God. Maybe you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've, you've never given him control of your life you've never surrendered control of your life if you're here today and you don't know Jesus you've drifted you're far from God you you feel the weight of your sin the guilt you you feel the condemnation of things that you've done in the past Jesus can wash that clean today if you're here and you say pastor Ben I want to know beyond the shadow of a doubt I want to give my life to Jesus would you, on the count of three, just slip up your hand right where you are. One, two, three. Slip up your hand right where you are in boldness and courage. Be bold. It's the best decision you'll ever make in your life. Jesus is coming, and you get to go to heaven. Anybody here this morning would say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. Count me in that prayer. I want to give my life. I want to surrender. I want to give complete control of my life to Jesus today. Come on, right where you are, say, say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm yours. Will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? Give me a fresh start, a new beginning. From this day forward, I will follow you the best that I know how. I am yours. You are mine. I trust you. With all my heart, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's praise Him for what He's done.